The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And on today's podcast, I have not one, not two, but three podcast guests all over Skype as well with me. I've got Chris Moretti, Alex, Alexi Bulwark, and Jay Carlson. Chris, how's it going, man? Doing good, doing good. I think we're all uh, trying to try to survive the quarantine a little bit. I know Jake and Alexi and I have been talking a little about the draft stuff and uh, getting with everything, but man, we've been we've been hyped on the NFL. I think that's the um, maybe that's the sport that'll come back first, or at least we'll have the the full season intact. We'll see how it works out here with everything, but. We wanted to we wanted to go through some NFL uniform rankings at least because all all four of us I know now have seen the Rams jerseys that just debuted and definitely want to uh, talk a little bit about them just because they're they're very interesting within themselves. But Alexi, I know that you're the one who is of course from St. Louis and was a Rams fan I assume growing up. Now I don't know if you absolutely hate the Rams with a vengeance or not, but. Alexi, I'll ask you first. How do you feel about these uh, these new Rams uniforms that we have? Oh, tr- trust me, trust me. I, I hate the Rams with a passion, and uh, I hope they never have a successful season again. Uh, so don't <laughs> worry, I, I still hate them. Uh, you're, you're not missing anything there. Um, so thank you for giving me this opportunity to rip on their uniforms. Um, it's a pleasure to do that because... They did absolutely nothing to make their uniforms look good. Their logo looks like trash. Looks like someone could have created a better logo um, on Madden 20. So, yeah, I don't know what they're trying to do there. Um, The colors, I mean, I guess they're trying to get back to the L.A. type colors with blue and yellow. Sure. I still think the blue and gold in St. Louis was just a better match. I think it looks better um, overall. But yeah, just looking at their their jerseys, and I know we were talking a little bit about this before we started the podcast. The numbers just—I I just don't get the numbers and how they like format on there. It just looks really odd to me. Um, I think they definitely um, underperformed with this with this new project they had and these uniforms. So I'm going to give them a big fat F on these uniforms. <laughs> I got you. Um, I mean, what, Jake and Chris, what are your guys' thoughts? They're pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I think it's a lot, and even with the logo. So they're still in the area. I think they, they have to be able to learn Yeah, I just um, I feel as though they put L.A. and then like the rainbow from clip art and put like a gradient of white to yellow on it, and that was the whole deal. I mean, it just looks almost almost too simple. Um, if that's possible, and I, I, not not a huge fan of the Rams uniforms. Although I do look like um, I I do like the fact that they threw up their honors to Todd Gurley, and they put the bone uniforms for how Todd Gurley's knee operates. You know, just bone on bone. There, I feel like that was a pretty darn good, pretty darn good thought process there by them. Yeah, so I, I think I, I think the blue ones are. The blue ones are definitely um, up to par. Like the all blue, I think those are completely fine. Um, that off white, whatever color it is, is uh, is pretty bad. 
considering like they have the sleeve cut in half so it's like the off-white in the front and then in the back it's like just plain white um i don't know who came up with that idea but i i really think they should just wear the all blue ones every single game no matter what um and just scrap the other yeah. ones that, that is a bad look i think i think i would agree with jake like if i had picked one of those uniforms that you know actually look legit if I had to say one, I guess I would say the blue. But yeah, that off-white type color, just it's like, what is this? Like It, it just doesn't look good at all. Yeah, it's just... Um, just do white. I don't know what, what's wrong with like all white uniforms, you know? I mean, it's kind of a classic clean look or whatever, and I think that would look better than doing... Because it's not, it's not even a true gray. It's like halfway in the middle between white and gray, which is just not... It's like just go full with the gray or, or full with the white, one or the other. Uh, at least in and my it, mind, it makes it makes the helmet look like a bobblehead, too. That yeah. it's like because there's no fluidity from the helmet, like as it just goes helmet, and then it's like completely contrast color. Well, there's, and there's yeah. just no, it's not fluid. Like at least the two blue, the all blue one, and then the blue and yellow one are are fluid with the helmet, but. Like I don't know if if them having a a white helmet, like if they did all white with a white helmet, um, like those old like Deacon Jones jerseys, mm. yeah. I think that would be really cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know who came up with this idea. I just I'm not a fan of the gradient numbers either. On I think the gradient numbers would look better on the white jerseys with like having it fade from like blue to yellow than having it fade from yellow to white on the blue jerseys because nothing else on that jersey fades, I don't think. I don't think the shoulder sleeves or whatever um, fade either, which I think is weird. And then, like like you just said, Jake, like the, the bone-colored jerseys have, there's not anything bone-colored in the helmet, so it doesn't correlate at all. So... I don't know. That kind of brings me to my, my, my question, though, for you guys. Like, if we have to rank, like, the worst current NFL jerseys, though, like, two each. Um, Chris, I'll have you start us off here. I mean, wh- what are the two worst jerseys you can think of currently in the NFL? Cleveland Browns, number one. Um, I mean, they honestly have the worst color. And just, I don't know. I hate their uniform. Um, and then number two... <laughs> I'm really not a fan of the new Atlanta jerseys. It's just, it just looks like somebody decided to just go out of the movie Longest Yard and just copy their shit or originality. So. I knew I'd seen somewhere before. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, definitely agree about the Falcons for sure. The the little bit of orange that the, the Browns use, or excuse me, some sometimes when they wear like completely orange, I love that description of the Oklahoma State stuff, but the Browns could definitely mix it up a little bit. Also, the Browns, of course, have their their helmet is, of course, their symbol, which is always kind of odd when they put like their symbol on stuff. So, um, Alexi, what about you? What are your like worst two favorite jerseys jerseys in the NFL? Yeah, so I was actually just um, looking at that too, just to see like the update on on new jerseys, and I gotta say, Atlanta has some pretty bad jerseys um looking at it like it looks so tacky i i i can't even explain how bad this looks like i'm looking right now there's a white 
top and red bottom. I, it just doesn't mix well. Like the the former jerseys I used to wear, like I just feel like they need to stick with those. There's no no reason to switch over to what they're trying to do. I don't even know what they're trying to do. Looks like whoever created the Rams jerseys is is, is going over to Atlanta and helping <laughs> them out too because <laughs> this looks awful. Uh, so I got to throw Atlanta on there. Um, and are, are you asking me like any NFL team like yeah. in current jerseys? Okay. Yeah. Any, any um, team doesn't have to be ones that change this off season. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, there's not another one that comes to mind just, but, but just by kind of looking out there, I, I've never really been a fan of Jacksonville's jerseys. I don't mm. know if it's just the color green. I've never been a fan of like green. So I don't know if their mix of colors just, you know, show out and, and just do nothing for me, but I don't know. I've just never been a fan of Jacksonville's jerseys. Uh, nothing to hate on them. Um, I mean, all of these new jerseys that I that I don't like are definitely worse than Jacksonville Jaguars. But I think it's more of just a color green. There's just no, nothing to it for me. Um, I'd probably rank them as one of the least favorite uh, jerseys in the NFL. Yeah, I'm with you there. What, what do you guys say, Jake? So I, I'm completely like all out on the Atlanta jerseys. Um, the only one that looks good is uh, that black and white one without the ATL on it. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think like the white top and the black bottom is fine. But I'm from Atlanta, and and to me, like putting that ATL across the chest is just like tacky. Like in in the block letters they use, like like Chris said, and like we said earlier, it looks like the Mean Machine uniforms from Longest Yard. Um, <laughs> and then that that gradient uh, red to black uniform, yeah. I like. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Um, I didn't know that red ever went to black in a gradient. Um, like I've used graphic design a lot. I'm sure we all have. <laughs> And there are very few times where I'm like, you know, red to black gradient seems like a really good idea. Um, and then I also didn't think anybody could screw up an all black uniform. I am, I'm a big fan of all black uniforms, but the Falcons all black uniform is pretty terrible. Um, just the solid red stripe on the side is just, uh, just kind of odd. And I, I think the all white one looks good though. Like I think it, I just really think they need to take the ATL off. Um, I don't think it's necessary to have on there. Uh, but cause like, if you look at some of the other ones, like it's smaller, it's not that big. Like if like Tampa Bay has Buccaneers on there, but it's in small letters, it's not just like stapled on the front. And to me, that just looks weird. Um, so I- I'm piggybacking on that one. And the other one I don't like, um, is the new like Buccaneers alternate. It's like a light black, but like yeah, not brown and not gray. I don't really know what color it is. <laughs> um, I don't know if they did that because they're playing in Florida and you know the heat and stuff like that. Maybe it'll retain less heat. I don't know. I'm spitballing, but that that weird brown looking color that they've got going on. Yeah, the, like matches the their helmets. Um, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't look it doesn't show off like sheen like a helmet does, you know? It's like right. it's like brown. It's like a lighter UPS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'd say mine too are um the Washington football team. 
Um, one, just what are we doing? I mean, like a weird yellow and a weird red. Um, just just seems They've odd. Got bad colors. They've got bad colors. Yeah, and I've never been a USC fan either. So, but they're not. They're they're not. They're not even that. Like the red is more just like bright red, um, and less burgundy or crimsonish, and so it just seems odd. And then, um, I don't. I mean, that's a team that could just really, I would think, use like a makeover on the jerseys. Like hype up the fans, get some stuff in there. You know what? Go. Hey, you know what? It's like. NFL's 100th season or whatever, just change up the jerseys or whatever. I don't know when the last time they did was because those could those could use some help for sure. And then the other one I was going to go with is the Jaguars. I, I have the Rams like 30th ranked, on think, on this, um, you know, just above. But the Atlanta ones I'm, I'm okay with just because, like, they look a little bit more put together. The Jaguars, I still remember when they had like the helmets where it'd be like just a just black in the back and then the front would be green. There was kind of a try to be a gradient or whatever, but like you said, Jake, like red to black doesn't really gradient. Green doesn't, you know, gradient to black either. And so it just uh, always looked out of place. And I feel like the Jaguars are just kind of like that misfit team. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I, I wish they were better because I actually like the idea of having like Jaguars as like a team mascot name, but it just wasn't just wasn't cutting it too well for me. Is there any other like ones that we have as honorable mentions or anything? I definitely think Washington's on there. Um, like they have they have some black jerseys, like all black that look look pretty cool. I think they wore them like uh, as a color rush. Um, their white ones are fine. Uh, Chris, can you repeat that? Yeah, I can't hear anything at all. For Washington's pretty nice also. No, okay, I got you. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just uh. There's there's a couple teams doing jerseys extremely well, and I will definitely shout out the Chargers, the Giants. I think are very like classic, you know, hard to mess up, you know, red, white, and blue, of course. But there's not you, you can definitely mess up a good color scheme too, is what the Falcons have shown us. Cause you would think black and red, like dude, you can't mess that up. But somehow, some way, they definitely have. Um, I. I think I'll shout out the Panthers too. I think mm. they do a good job with their jerseys. Yeah, that Panthers well. blue is insanely cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah, definitely a fan. Definitely a fan there for sure. Um, what well, I know, I know we've been uh, talking a little bit about stuff here about the jerseys and everything. And during quarantine, there's just you know not too much going on. But Jake, you, you sent me a post here on Twitter about Zion Williamson. Can you kind of explain like what's going on with him recruiting wise and a larger picture as well? Yeah, so it, it essentially seems like he's almost getting like subpoenaed, <laughs> but by someone um, that he was close with. It seems like it was his marketing manager, agent type thing, um, and. I think it uh I think it opens up like a whole different door. We we talked about it um I think it was yesterday and Alexi, we've we've hinted at it too. But about so I, I, I had Calvin watch the scheme. Um it's on HBO, so shout out to that. Uh if you guys want to go watch it. 
but it it talks about um, that whole uh, what FBI probe with college basketball, I guess, mm-hmm. and um, how it basically seemed like they were making up crimes. Like Calvin, you brought a good you brought up a good point yesterday. Like, why is the FBI involved with the NCAA? Um, but so basically, he's like being asked to admit that he received money. And one of the big issues I have with it is we always act like, you know, Duke and North Carolina are like these golden, the golden children of college basketball. Kentucky's kind of a whipping post. Kansas still gets backlash, but it's like you have these two schools that are supposed to uphold, you know, whatever standards college basketball has. And, and we know they don't, and that's fine because nobody else does. But I don't know why they're always excluded from the conversation. Um, I think that's really frustrating. I have nothing against either two schools. But it, it's it's a massive double standard when it comes to some of the other blue bloods like Kansas and um, Kentucky, how they just kind of get bashed for for cheating or recruiting violations. And somehow Duke and North Carolina like never get recruiting violations. Um, and then I saw the Zion thing, and I'm like, yeah obviously like it's not surprising i i don't know what there was to be surprised about like duke cheating duke involved in that whole scheme thing with with adidas and nike um it it's not surprising but i I think i think that's a larger issue um because like we want to scapegoat like I'll, i'll throw oklahoma state in there where you know we're not getting big time recruits, but somehow we're still cheating. Um, Arizona, obviously they get big recruits. It doesn't surprise me. They cheat. Um, but like the USC, like USC's in Los Angeles, but we're getting guys to come to Duke in North Carolina and we're not, we think they're not cheating. (laughs) That just, it, it seems a little ridiculous. Um, I just, the double standard in college basketball is, is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know why there are, I guess there are this many um, allegations against like, NCAA teams if it's not true, right? Like, there wouldn't be this much rumor surrounding all type of stuff of players getting paid under the table and all this type of stuff if it, if it wasn't going on. And I would say, oh, yeah, you know what? Like, Trevor Lawrence was also recruited to go to Clemson or... You know, you have these five-star quarterbacks and Kyler Murray and you know, whoever it was recruited to go to A&M at the time and other schools. Uh, you know what? This is They were recruited, they were paid, and then the guys were looking to see stuff on the back end. And I don't hear about as much as football because I think it's because you got to be with the football program for three years, whereas basketball, heck, man, if you're – if you're going to be a top pick, you know, if you're going to be a number one overall pick, if you're going to be Zion or RJ Barrett or even, even John Moran, I guess a little bit here, whatever it is, you're going to be one of those guys self-recruited because whoever is paying you that money and wants you to sign with their agency or wants to re- recruit you to go to that school or whatever, you're either going to be so incredibly good that it's going to be worth it for your, that team to do well, or it's going to be you're so incredibly good that you're going to get drafted in top 10 or top 15 or whatever it is, almost guaranteed. So you're incredibly worth it on the back end as player agents and all type of stuff too. The The one thing I'll say about the scheme is that I was really, 
I was really hoping to learn if Oklahoma State's Lamont Evans, you know, Lamont Evans was an assistant coach with Brad Underwood, and he came over with, um, he came over, I guess, from uh, South Carolina on Frank Martin's staff um, to come uh, coach with Underwood at Oklahoma State. And it looks like he didn't go to Stephen F. Austin in between, whereas Boynton came over from Stephen F. Austin uh, with Underwood. And the question I had is, like, how is Lamont Evans connected in all this, and how are the coaches, and that type of stuff, and... We, we heard at the end of the scheme, like a converse, a, a phone conversation with Will Wade and the guy, Christian Dawkins, who was charged with all of this, who's pretty much narrating and telling the whole story of how everything plays out. And it's literally a conversation about, nah, man, I've made a way better offer. And you know, they're not talking about, you know, oh, I, I made sure he'd live in a once, in a one, you know, in a studio apartment on the 12th floor or whatever with, you know, a club space. Like, you know, you can tell easily they're talking about an offer. And you can tell easily when Will Wade says at the end of this doc, end of this doc, he says, yeah, we'd be helping these guys out more and supporting them more than the G League. And that clearly is a money thing. But it's also weird to me, and that was, that was a question I had yesterday, Jake, when I finished the doc and want to talk to you about it, is why in, why in the world does the FBI care what the NCAA does? Like, the NCAA should be investigating them on their own company, their own network, everything with that, and there should be an NCAA investigation. Those happen, it seems like, all the time. I remember there was a famous OU, I think, um, a basketball or football player, I forget which, who had, like, two servings of food one time and was, like, written up and, oh, you got, you know, their hands slapped or whatever on that because he had two servings of food and he wasn't supposed to at some event. And, but the NCAA doesn't want to keep going into the schools, you know, and keep trying these when, clearly, if you just have the FBI's help and tapping conversations, they can tell everything that's going on. It just seems, seems very, very odd to me, at least. And I know Will Wade was like voluntary or voluntarily or forced to suspend himself from, you know, from LSU and stuff like that while of course still getting paid. And there's he's a bunch of other stuff coach. with it. Yeah. But now he's, <laughs> he's now he's back. Coach. Right. But now he's back. Yeah. Now he's good. And, and like to, to go on your like Lamont Evans side, you know, I, I don't think the allegations for Lamont Evans really happened at OSU. I think most of them happened at South Carolina. Um, and they ended up going to the Final Four well a couple years ago. Um, I don't know how many of those guys were, you know, big name recruits or whatever. But Zion was, you know, I think Clemson and South Carolina were at the top of his list, and the next thing you know, like Duke jumps up, and we know why. We're not stupid. We know why he went to Duke because they have more money than everybody else than. Clemson or South Carolina, really anybody else in college basketball. Um, but all you really need to know when it comes to like paying these guys is um, like Jordan's worth $2 billion. Michael Jordan as a person is worth $2 billion <laughs> off of shoes. I mean, it's just like, the, you know, there's not, there's not really much else that needs to be said. And I'm, I'm interested to see what you know what Chris and Alexi have to say about it cuz it's just I, I i don't know why it's all of a sudden becoming a problem when 
you know, there was the SMU thing, the SMU 30 for 30. And um, you've got like Eric Dickerson on there <laughs> and there he's getting offered Cadillacs by everybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get it, but I do want to hear from Chris and Alexi here. Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, personally, I mean, for me, I think the only time that FBI really gets involved, it's like a money situation just because, uh, it's just white collar crime. I mean, that's, I mean, it's taxes, stuff like that. The big, well, that's really all the government cares about. And then NCAA like piggybacks off of that. And then they like come make their own fucking, um, their own punishments. But for me, like, I mean, at this point, I think it's just becoming because the point where like, like with the whole James Wiseman thing, like he got like a few games suspended or was it going to be like half the season or whatever, just because what they helped him move. And yeah. That's all they could prove. And so yeah, like P- Penny helped him move when he was like 14. Yeah. <laughs> like, like NCAA really just cares about its money. And the more they can, cause let's think about it. If they're suspending you, like, cause there hasn't really been a lot of like, uh, I think LaMelo Ball was the only person that was, like, told, hey, you can't come play college ball. But everybody else, it's never going to be, like, a full – when they find out, like, before the season or, like, during the season, it's never going to be, like, you're banished from basketball because they still want to make money. This isn't, like, the 1980s when they were just, like, SMU, bye, like, adios. Like, nobody's going to get the death penalty as a basketball player. But what they're going to do is they're going to suspend you to where at the end of the season you haven't played, you can either go pro with no playing experience and not get drafted high – we can come back for another year and make them some more money. And so that's all they really care about at the end of the day is just how much money they can get out of you before you're gone. And so I will say this, though. The the whole G League thing, NBA kind of fucked them. So starting, I'm guessing, I'm starting to, I want to start guessing starting next year, especially with this whole Zion thing happening, the media from it, and just, like, the problems it's going to cause him is just, like, in just his daily life. Like, players are not going to want to go through that anymore when the NBA as a top 20 player is going to offer you $500,000 to go play basketball. And so why would I not take that $500,000? Why would I do that? Why would I go play college, get paid for it, and then in four years have to have an investigation and go through that whole thing when I can just take that money from the G League, go play in the G League, and then go to the NBA the next year and be done with my life. So um, it's all fucked up, but... I will say the NBA just came with a good solution, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I the the question I would have if I'm the FBI is why did you care so much about this? This um, so from watching watching the scheme at least, um, there's there's a guy like Marty Blazer or whatever his name is. He apparently could have been charged with up to sixty seven years of fraud and money and all type of stuff, whatever and um, everything. And instead, he was for the NCAA or the agent. Well, so so he was just he was just some guy. He had SEC securities fraud and all this type of stuff. And what he said is he said he knew a way for the FBI could charge and get in on the ground floor of breaking up these illegal schemes that players and agents and coaches are doing. And he sets up this whole kind of whole operation where he goes into, Hey, you know what? No, there's this guy named Christian Dawkins and there's this other guy, um, you know, he's partnered up with and et cetera, et cetera. And if, if someone's able to watch the documentary, I know it's on HBO, please do. Because I think, 
it, it's worthwhile to sit through and understand that it basically is why does the FBI care this much about it? You had this one dude who you knew had committed crimes and could have charged him with, but instead, because he offered up some other dude that was with, F, you know, to the FBI and that was with college coaches and everything like that, just why does the FBI, why would the FBI care about NCAA rules frauds? You know, because at the end of the day, I think that's it. Calvin, it's because of the money. That's what I'm trying to say. So when it comes to the FBI side of it, like when you have that one guy, so let's say like this, you have that one guy, you know he's done it, you can charge him. Or up to like whatever you said, 60 something years. But he says he can tell you all these other people that are illegally paying people to come to their school. Well, the FBI doesn't care about the school part. They care about it, the money part. Because I can promise you that Zion Williamson, which I'm guessing this happened because this I just watched, I just saw that tweet earlier today. That guy is just like going off. And so like I can promise you that Zion Williamson did not fucking put down the hundred thousand dollars he got on his taxes. So like that's a lot of money that the government can take from you just off that hundred grand. So on and so on. So like you think they're doing this with every top hundred player in the nation, every top one fifty? That's a lot of money the government sees for themselves anytime they want. And so, yeah, and, like, and that's really, FBI agents, that's what they want. Like, they want a photo with them next to a ton of cash, and they get to move on to the next office. So, like, when it comes to, like, government agencies and stuff like that, a lot of that is going to be, like, agents, like, being hungry and wanting something so they can move on, like, move up in, in the system. So they decide to find something, find them, flip on them, and go on and go on. Like, federal agents have a lot of power. It's kind of scary. So... Like, they just want more money. Like, they, whatever, whatever the lead agent on that case is told himself, hey, I can get this one guy if I can bring this whole organization down, uh, seize a lot of money for the government, and also move up, you know, so on and so on. So, uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it is some type of these players are being paid for their services of some type and are promising something on the back end where it's not, it's, the money transferring hands would not be, you know, would not be known as a donation from whoever's giving the money to them. And instead, it would be tax fraud. You know, I definitely understand it on that end. Um, the, the, the question I I guess the question I have is, is that like if you're for the FBI, you know, just, you know, if you want to investigate tax fraud of players getting stuff and everything like that, it seems as though you could just just go out and do that. Um, period, you know, and you could investigate tax fraud all day on a bunch of other things as well. But I think that's mostly also the IRS, right? It investigates tax yeah. fraud and everything. And I, yeah. I'm just loosely trying to figure out because th- this guy, so yeah. I'm just giving that one aspect. So another aspect would be another thing, like another thing that's going to matter is these kids that are coming to your school. So let's say like, uh, once again, you're Duke and I'm Zion and you one of your assistant coaches, he was Coach K, might or might not know, it does not matter. Uh, one of your assistant coaches is offering $150,000, $100,000, $50,000, wherever the fuck he offered the dude or whatever, or his parents' mom to go to do. And so, like, I take that money. So, number one, like, I'm taking this money, I'm not paying taxes on it. That's step one. Step two is not only are you paying me to come to your school, but I'm also getting a scholarship from the school, which, I mean, half the schools are government. I mean, that uh, half the schools are, are private schools. So, like, in my opinion, a lot of reasons that you'll see now that, like, Duke and uh, 
like all these like private schools haven't been getting in trouble i think in my opinion has been because like it's private money like government really doesn't care too much about it i know like i'm coming and like grasping straws but like that's just what i've been thinking and so like that's when you have like schools like oklahoma say like we don't do shit but we still got in trouble like arizona like stuff like that we're like not only are you paying the guy so you're, you're committing crime on that part but you're also giving a scholarship which is technically government money uh because it's a like, public school and so like I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got you on that. I mean, if you know that part of it, definitely makes sense. Um, it, to, to me, it's it's tough to understand exactly why, um, why at least when I watch this documentary and they're breaking everything down of why the um, the FBI is going after the coaches way, way more than, um, than like even the assistant coaches, you know, and they're almost targeting like, Hey, we want, we literally want the head coaches from these schools when yes, at the end of the day, that's a way bigger bust or, or whatever would be all type of stuff. But you know, if, if you're a head coach, probably some of these guys are smart enough to know, Hey, you know what? Like the money's never going to physically touch my hands. You know, it's going to operate through a third party or whatever's all type of stuff. So, I mean, it was a really interesting documentary as well too. So gives everyone a lot to think about. Alexia, I want to hear from you as well here. What were, what are at least your thoughts on all this type of stuff? Yeah. And I won't go um, too much into it. I think you guys pretty much covered a lot to what I agree with. Um, but just to kind of give my personal opinion, I do think that this is something that, you know, is not surprising to me. I think it happens over college football and college basketball, you know, the big sports, um, where they're trying to recruit these big athletes to come to their university and of course make the money because, um, that's what they do. And like, like they were saying, the, the NCAA, um, is, it's just, you know, they're, they're trying to get anything they can out of these players. Um, eventually there is going to be a time when the players will probably be paid. Uh, but just to see all this happen, like it, it just doesn't surprise me. I think that um, this type of cheating ha- has been going on for a lot of years. And I think now they're just starting to, uh, you know, develop more and more. And this Zion, the Zion thing is just starting. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of college basketball, I'll be really interested to see, how more players will maybe transition to that G League instead of maybe going to college. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see if all those big recruits eventually start going that way rather than going to college for a year and, and you know maybe having to go through this type of thing that now Zion has to do. So that's my, my quick thoughts on that. Hey, Jake, I just want to get your opinion as well on this. Do you think that the, that the NCAA is a little bit in trouble because of how um, the G League is getting these top recruits and paying him, you know, guaranteed more money than we've seen in the past and letting them operate kind of on their own, making like a new G League team and all type of stuff for him as well. Do you think that, do you think that's, po- you know, the NCAA is going to see a loss in value? Um, I think yes and no. Um, I think they'll, they'll struggle more in the long term than they will in the short term. Um, as we can probably assume, G League numbers for for contracts are going to go up, um, which is ultimately more than people are going to be getting paid in college. I, I can only assume this. I'm not saying for sure. but So, yeah, I think more people will go to the G League. 
Um, and I think it'll progressively get better than college basketball because I think we can all come to a consensus that obviously the best players in college basketball don't end up being the best players in the pros. Um, and like, you know, you got guys like Ben Simmons who didn't even make the turn and, but he's doing perfectly fine from where I sit. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think the NCAA will ultimately be in trouble and, but it's not going to happen until something with football. Um, I, I, I think, I think once it like collectively comes together, then they'll be in trouble. Um, but I, not until like there's something with football. Um, I don't think basketball can hold its own weight with that. So, for me, Calvin, like just off the question you just asked Jake, because I find that very interesting. Uh, I really don't think, in the long run, like that's one thing I disagree with people on. I think that NCAA will be fine. Uh, just like Jake stated, like sometimes the best players, like that are in college, don't end up being the best NBA players. Like that means because they were just college players. Like we're still gonna get people getting recruited, like Christian Leitner, people like Bobby Hurley, like stuff like that, like. Like not to not to sound like I'm thinking about color or anything, but a lot of you're still gonna get all your nice white ball like white guy basketball players that maybe like Tyler here in the last few years. They're gonna still go to college, not gonna be the G League. Like this is like five hundred thousand dollars isn't for everybody. It's like top twenty basketball. Like so, you're still gonna have another hundred, two hundred, three hundred people that are still gonna be getting offered money from teams. And then if you look at how much you're gonna make in the G League, it's not gonna be five hundred thousand dollars. It's gonna be twenty or thirty or fifty. Like the G League contract isn't a lot of money. And so, I mean, there's still gonna be a lot of college basketball. Like March Madness is still three times a year. Like I don't, I'm not gonna care. Like really, who's playing? Like I mean, it's about teams, about watching basketball. It's not really about individual performances unless like somebody is really doing great that year. Uh, so I think in the long run, NCAA will be perfectly fine. It's gonna be less like one player domination, like you're not going to get a cake gunning camp. It's going to come change the team. You're going to have more like 1980s, 1990s basketball where you have five players, it's five on five, it's an actual basketball game, so on and so on. I don't have a frequent nature like LeBron or Kobe or Larry Bird, so on and so on. So, uh, I think it's going to be great basketball, in my opinion. A lot more fundamental. Uh, a lot more people getting scholarships that would never have gotten scholarships before, in my opinion. And so it'll be fun to watch. It's just more basketball to me, really. Yeah, I got you there. I, I definitely agree with you on that, is that the NCAA will not be in trouble. March Madness will still be a thing. It'll still be going around. You know, there won't be anything like that. I think the only time that this could be, um, that we that we could see something where the NCAA is in trouble is is if, like, the four stars and three stars start leaving NCAA. And the only way that really happens is, Chris, just as you said, if the G League can offer enough money um, for them to leave. Because some of these guys, you know, are, are going into it going, listen, I'm probably going to be a two- to three-year player in NCAA. Maybe it's a way to get my degree, all type of stuff. Because that still matters, I think, for a lot of guys. I mean, I know if... I, I couldn't put myself in their shoes, but I would ass, I would assume and I would guess that that still matters a lot. And there's only so many G League um, spots available. There's only so many and 
you know, NBA spots available, all type of stuff where five stars, you know, all the five stars that come out, you know, or whatever their first year don't even get drafted in the first round. And you see a lot of other stuff as well, where the, the NCAA is still going to operate with, you know, I'm still going to go back to Oklahoma state basketball games. I'll say it that way. You know, I, I, I would love to see Oklahoma State have Kate Cunningham and a bunch of these other guys that are, you know, four stars and, you know, five stars and whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, I still watch Oklahoma State basketball last season. Um, I'll still watch it the year after Kate leaves because I'm an alum of the school. And I'll still love watching Oklahoma State basketball, you know, almost no matter what. It'd be so hard for me to stop watching it. It'd almost be because something happens, you know, it'd be a scandal wise or whatever it may be. And if the G League develops into something where there are 30 G League teams, there's one for every single NBA team and they're all feeder teams. And these guys are, you know, there's enough guys that can leave. Then maybe the quality of play will lessen a little bit. But then again, Chris, just as you mentioned, there has to be enough money to go around to pay these guys where it's worthwhile and it's valuable to them to go hey, I'm going to skip college. And unless the NCAA changes a rule, which I don't know why they would, of they can accept a LaMelo Ball who's taken money before um, before going to college and who's turned pro before going to college or whatever like that, where a guy could be 23 and go, hey, the G League didn't work out and I want to come back to college and play four years there. I don't know why the NCAA would do that. And if they did, I think then the G League would be a better option. But other than those two reasons, really, I'm agreeing with you here, Chris. I I don't see it being a problem for the NCAA. And also, like, and not to be like be like play like the bad guy on this, or just like be pessimistic and all. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Adam Silver. I think he's the best missioner we've had in a while. Like David Thoreau's great and all, but Adam Silver is really like adapting to everything that's happening to him as quickly as anybody really could. He's a good lawyer, really smart guy. But like, I people need to stop acting like this is like. Like some song, some kind of like social, like, like social charity thing. Like this isn't like for the best. This isn't like fully one hundred percent for the best of the players. Like this also is still for the best of the NBA. Like this five hundred, just like I said, the five hundred thousand isn't going to three stars, four stars. It's going to the top five star players in the in the, in the world in America, so on and so on. And so they're not paying you this out of charity. You're supposed to. You're coming here so you can attract that attention. Think about if Zion Williamson never went to Duke. Like the ticket, the ticket prices for Zion at Duke were two thousand, three thousand, four thousand. Imagine if you as the NBA, because you have Zion Williamson in your fucking G League de- developmental program, can charge three hundred dollars for a G League ticket. Like G League tickets are like thirty, twenty, like ten dollars. Like so, imagine like if you could do that much more. Like you're making a lot more money. Like your your money is being invested wisely. I'm not paying five hundred thousand dollars to, like no offense, Matt hams like i'm not giving you 500 grand coming out of high school like you're seven feet three you're cool you're awesome and all but no one's gonna pay that much money to come see you so like people need to stop thinking like this is just like oh for the best no this is best for the nba also and so these g league teams like there's only going to be 30 at most or 32 how many teams are in the nba and that's the most there ever is going to be and then it's probably later on going to transition more to like a feeder system just like you said but at the same time that's 30 teams 32 teams 15 players a team I'm not paying everyone $500,000. Like, the veterans on the G League are getting 40, 50 grand. Like, this isn't going to be an every type situation. Like, the NCAA will still exist. It will still be a system. It will still 
run shit. Like, they'll still make a shit ton of money because, just like you said, all of us go to college. <laughs> like, we want to get drunk. We want to go to watch basketball. Once we do that, we start, you know, falling in love with it. And we watch it after we graduate and we leave and so on and so on. So you have 90-year-olds, 70-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 50-year-olds, everybody going out games, wearing clothes, being alumni, so on and so on. And so the play itself might get a little bit worse. I mean, but at the same time, I'm paying, it might get a little bit more enjoyable because there'll be more even playing field instead of, you know, every once in a while you're playing a team where they've got four or five stars, a.k.a. Kentucky, and they're just killing me. And so it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. Definitely. And to add on to that, I'd say there is a, there's a definite reason why Kansas is Kansas in the Big 12. You know, they get these four or five stars, whatever it may be, and you hope, you know, an Oklahoma State or an OU or Texas Tech or... Um, you know, Iowa State, whoever it may be, can can top them. You know, year after year, you're hoping that you know Kansas doesn't win. Um, you know, win the Big Twelve every single season in basketball, and you're hoping another team can top them. But at the same point, if Kansas all of a sudden doesn't have that five star because he goes to not another school in the Big Twelve, but goes to play outside of college sports and goes to the G League, then all of a sudden Kansas is more fun to watch against Oklahoma State because. We feel like we have a better fighting chance and all type of stuff, too. I think that definitely adds to it as well. So, um, I don't know. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about these? Uh, I don't know. I saw Mac McClung is um, you know, is possibly you know getting hit up by Oklahoma State. Uh, Alexia, I don't know. I know you got to head out here shortly. If you want to add a comment on, you know, if you think Oklahoma State should go after more transfers or, or not, or you know, how cool it would be to have the guy who scored 33 in, in Stillwater last year back on, back in Stillwater, but on the team. Yeah, so I actually just saw that today. Um, I think it was actually just reported today, too. But um, that's actually really interesting. I think it could even add – if you can add depth and if you can just add more um, talent to your team, you, you got to take that opportunity. So I think uh, doing this will, will not hurt this team at all. I know we have a lot of guard play. I know we'll have a lot of guard guards coming in, but – like I said, depth is what you need, especially in college basketball. Uh, if you're trying to make a run in the tourney, um, this cannot hurt you in any way. Um, it would be cool to see uh, him come back there, like you said, after scoring and, and torching us for like over 30 points at, at uh, Gallagher Arena. Um, but, I mean, this would just be another thing to add to an exciting upcoming season if we have it. Um, just, just to have that kind of player – uh, that kind of caliber player come onto your team, um, a guy who can shoot, play point, whatever you need him to do. Um, I think it'd be um, a really great addition, uh, along with Kate Cunningham and all the other exciting freshmen coming in. So I think this would be a nice move. Um, don't know how serious we are in getting him, but I mean, I know there's a lot of teams fighting for him. Uh, if we can pull it off, I think that'd be awesome and just another great thing to look forward to. Yeah. Jake, what are your thoughts, at least, Jake? So. I've never been like a, a crazy huge Mac McClung fan. I didn't think that he was some world beater. You know, I just thought that he was a guy that made cool videos on YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah. And as we figured out, that doesn't always translate when it comes to act like actual basketball. Um, but it's, you know, he, he's like a, he's like a shorter guard that can dunk. I think that's why everyone freaked out about it. And like, he, he's a good player. I think Alexi brought up some good points. You know, he would definitely add depth, um, which 
in guard play, especially in the Big 12 when they call a zillion fouls is never a bad thing. But the qu- he's not going to start, right? He doesn't start. because yeah, Over who? Over likely. I'll take him over likely any day. That's what I was going to be my hot take for you guys just because we're all Oklahoma State people. I, I definitely wouldn't because I don't think he could guard anybody. I can guard. I mean, like, I mean, I watched some Georgetown games last year, and I mean, I'm not the biggest Mac McGlogan fan. Don't get me wrong, but like for me personally, like, I am not a big likely fan. Like, really, I'm not because for me personally, like, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be touted as a four star, five star guard, then you have to be a guard. Like, you have to be fully rounded, in my opinion, to like. You have to be able to shoot. Like, I mean, that's, that's I know I'm a big shooter, and I'm sorry, guys, but that pisses me the fuck off. Like, you can't shoot the basketball in your guard. You need to work on it, and like, because that's a big problem when it comes down to big games, and you have the ball, and the defender says, I'm going to sag off six feet off of you unless you shoot the shot, miss, and we're going to get a rebound and go win the game. And so, I mean, he can shoot. Yes, he can dunk. That's cool and all. I really don't care about that. But for me, it's like he can, he can, she can take it to the hole like Lively does. He can also shoot the ball if he has to. His defense would get a little bit like obviously defense. You'd, you'd lose that likely to Mac McClung. But with what should be our lineup last year, next year on our starting lineup, I would take shooting at that position over like defense. Like because I can, I can as a coach, at least for me personally as a person in my head, I can work up a system for defense. Like you can't work up a system for you shooting wide open shots and missing continuously. So, I don't know. Like, that's another thing I would do if I was likely. I don't know. If I was, if you really want to go to the NBA and not be, no offense, Jawan Evans, like, work on your shooting. Make sure actually you can improve on that because once you get to the NBA, like, you can't shoot a shot. You're not Rajon Rondo, like, no offense. So, like, you're not going to, it's not going to work. You're not Ben Simmons. It's not going to work out long. You can't take a jump shot. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm happy for our season. Actually, good. So, I'll I'll go in defense of likely. Um, I just quickly looked up Mac McClung's uh, percentages, and he shot 32 percent from the three point line, um, which is probably better than likely. But he shot 39 percent from the field, yep. which yeah. is bad. It's bad. Yeah, that's another thing. He would have to like take his shot count down. Because I know if you watch like George Georgetown games last year, there'd be so many wild shots he would throw up. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. and like he he's he's yeah. shooting ten percent better than likely um, from the three point line, but likely he's also shooting forty six percent. Yeah, I don't so, know. the whole likely's I like likely. Like, don't get me so, wrong, I'm not hating on the guy. I'm just like, bro. Oh, like, I, there's so many games I watched last year where he missed wide open shots that could have led us to like win the game. So we're like, we need to bring like a like. Here, I'll hate on this guy. Like, the fact that we need to bring in Desagua to make our threes, and just you know, like the amount of the amount of like just skill drop off there is when like Desagua comes in the game compared to somebody else that could be in that position that we have on our roster next year. Is ridiculous, and so like for me, if you can have a guard that can shoot there, and you don't need to be bringing in a Kyle Culver type player who has zero defense, especially in college, like that's gonna help. That's it's not gonna hurt. So, so 
I, I remember like way back in November when Calvin and I talked about this Georgetown game. Um, and I think he was like catching up on it. I don't think yeah. he, he was watching it live. I was watching it live. And I remember like Mac McClung started hitting threes and all I could think about, and even my girlfriend was watching it with me and we were both just sitting there like, if likely plays, we win. <laughs> and and like in the Big Twelve, when the scoring already isn't as high as everybody else, um, I don't know what if Cade Cunningham is going to come in and be a good shooter. I couldn't tell you. Um, I don't know if we're gonna have. I think we'll have like a stretch five, maybe, and a stretch four, um, but I I would personally like i'm not disagreeing with you i you bring up a lot of great points chris but i would rather have likely start in the big 12 because like okay just go guard their best scorer and you don't even have to worry about scoring because we have the best player in the country and then you have like mac mcclung as your sixth man um like obviously these are all hypotheticals but because if mac mcclung if mac mcclung doesn't come this isn't even a conversation yeah well, if he does you know. come, he, I, you know, read through the our, our whole article here by Marshall. It, if he does come, Oklahoma State has to have one of the incoming freshmen, basically redshirt or something, to give up a scholarship. Um, another player has to turn from being a scholarship player to a walk-on, or McClung would not be guaranteed the immediate start, you know, waiver that he's trying to do, and have to sit out for one year, and then it looks like it'd be fine, but. You know, I, I mean, it's just fun to talk about, like, the what-ifs with this, of how could this Kate Cunningham lineup look like? You know, would likely or McClung be better? But with that being said, then, uh, so if we're just on the what-ifs, then why would, knowing that we're full, knowing that we have a full, we're like we're solid, or the whole roster's full, nothing else, why would Boyden call him? knowing that we're full, unless he knows that he could do something or he knows that something's about to come up or somebody that we have won't be able to play or somebody is willing to not play a year for us uh, to get McClung. I don't know. Oh, and, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, that's an yeah. awesome point as well. I mean, that's but that's that's the fun of it to me. Like, that's the unknown part of well, – that's the that's a part of you know we we see these reports and we don't know how it'll work out because the head coach is something else going on as well. Well, but, the thing I mean for like so what we've seen like so when Brad Underwood came in, I mean I was happy. I was like he's gonna be with us for a long ass time. Whatever it ended up being a snake, showed his true colors. I mean throughout the season and then end of the season, like Boyden has shown to be like a player's coach and like has shown to be like that guy. So in my opinion, like. Why would you ask? So, like, if you, if you have, I have a full team and everyone is good, like, no problems. Like, I'm talking, obviously, like, they're talking on a daily basis. So, I'm your head coach, like, especially during quarantine. I want to keep up with you. I'm talking to all y'all on a daily basis. I'm getting us hype for the year. Uh, you go on Twitter, like, all you got dumbass people like us, you know, on Twitter, lit as fuck. Oh, my God. We're going to 90 chain, like, whatever. We're going to be amazing. So, like, you see all this and, like, the players see all this. Like, they're retweeting all that. They're excited. And that when they're talking to the coach, oh, we're going to be great. I like our squad, whatever. And you're full. So as a player's coach, why would you disrupt that by saying, oh, let me add Mike McClung to this when you didn't have to go through this whole like big problem 
of finding him a spot and ruining like whatever you guys have this any kind of chemistry or like relationship y'all y'all have started creating through all this ruining all that like by going through like hey i know we said that you're gonna be part of the team this year or whatever but would you mind sitting out so we can add mac like so unless he like really knows he can do it without like starting shit like i don't see why else he would call him so um like my thing with all that is the big 12 is a gauntlet as we know um and i just wonder how he would be able to handle like the massive physicality jump from the big East. Like the big East has definitely fallen off. I think we can all agree on that. Um, and so I just wonder like how he would be able to handle the like crazy on ball defense that the big 12 presents compared to um, the big East. Cause it seems like the big East is getting more athletes now opposed to um, guys that can play basketball. Uh, so I, I just wonder, like, obviously if we got him, that'd be fantastic. And I think you bring up a great point, Chris, like why, obviously Boynton sees something in him, sees something that he can do with, um, and maybe mold him a little bit more than, than what he is right now. And so if, if he's willing to, to to cost a freshman a roster spot or cost a walk on a roster spot, you know. More power to him. I'll, I, I will roll with whatever Boynton does on the player side. I don't know about the coaching side because I'm not a basketball coach, but we we know about relationships enough to know that it might not be the best idea. But if but if he believes in it, then I'm okay with it. Hey, and also it wouldn't be a walk on. It'd have to be a scholarship player because Mac McClung, unless he's going to transfer here as a walk on, would be a scholarship player. Yeah. I guess if I'm if I'm McClung, what reasons would you have of coming here? You know, if if he, why would he decide Oklahoma State? Let's let's throw out of how would he fit in, or you know, if Boyden would have a spot or not. But why would McClung want to come to Oklahoma State? Right, I think so it's a great before, fit. Wait, before I, before that, before we answer that question about the transfer portal, because I really like I've never looked into it. Do you find out if you have a waiver to play immediately before you transfer or after you transfer? After, I okay. believe. Uh, I believe you have to you have to declare where you're going, and then the waiver will will go yeah. through. I don't know. If he knew he could play this year, like if he knew he would be a, a, eligible, then yeah, he's a great reason to come. Like we have Kate Cunningham coming, we have all these players that are coming that are great scores. Number one. But also, like, you have all these great scores, and you have the, and then I think what, what makes it amazing, I think for us, and I don't think nobody, and he's really, anybody's really talked about it, is the bet our best player coming in isn't our best score, if that makes sense. And so, like, he's not gonna be like he's a he's 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 more of a pass guy, first guy. And so, if we have all these good scores, and you have this guy that who can score. Don't get me wrong, has the ability to finish against almost anybody. But likes passing, but that, like first, then he can set up all these guys, and then anytime he needs to fucking go score, like anytime it's crunch time, he can go do it. And so if he knew he can play this year, then yeah, why would you not come play with Kate Cunningham as a scorer? That's who Mac is. Like, you know, get wide open threes, get you know transition basketball going, fast break scores, and so it'd be a great idea for a lot of schools, like especially the schools that I saw on that list. But if 
he was going to stay here until the year after, then I don't know why. Um, I agree. Well, who I just I fail to remember who was with him at Georgetown. Who were the other guys surrounded? You know, he was surrounded by who were you know helping him out. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, granted, it wasn't Cade um, or anything close to it. But was it other Patrick Ewing? <laughs> yeah, Patrick Ewing and coaching, and that's what it like that Georgetown wasn't. He was like that was the thing. That was the problem with Georgetown recruiting that year was when they recruited Mac. Like, I think the, the consensus was like, okay, we got Mac. We just need to get some role players. Like, like we don't like, – and also competing for these other guys. We're competing against Kentucky and whatever, so we're trying to try. We're just going to get all these role players, and we're going to make Mac our best and, like, our focus, which, where, sadly, he shouldn't be the focus of any team. Like, he's not there. And so I think that was a big problem. So, but he would score a lot, but he's also taking up all these wild shots. Taking a so, wild as fuck, so, uh. so I I was wrong about the waiver. Well, kind of. I, I was kind of wrong, but it, but like he applies for a waiver. Yeah, he applied for it. That's so it. so, but it it. I don't know if. I think it gets granted like in the midst of him deciding where he goes. Um, yeah. According think- according to two four seven, it says he's choosing between. Florida, Auburn, AM, Arkansas, USC, BYU, Wake Forest, Tennessee, Gonzaga, Utah, Arizona State, Oklahoma State, and Georgia. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to go to Gonzaga because he's not going to be anywhere in the top four, really, scoring wise on that team. A lot, a lot of SEC, a lot of SEC schools. Yeah. I mean, he could want to stay in that area, so he'll go to Auburn, especially seeing what Bruce Pearl did with. Their guards, um, but I I don't see him like I I think those schools like Florida Auburn uh, maybe not A and M Arkansas is supposed to be good this year Wake Forest got a new coach Tennessee supposed to be top five I don't Georgia's got Tom Crean um, I don't think he's going to Tennessee I can roll that off Wake Forest roll that off Florida roll that off and A and M. I don't see I don't see him playing like I don't see the only one I mean Wake's pretty bad um he's not gonna go to Wake no but USC BYU A&M Arizona State Oklahoma State Utah like Gonzaga Florida Auburn are all in in Georgia those are all off the list to me because I don't see him playing the dudes they get at those schools, like Tennessee's recruiting classes, even ahead of ours this year. So yeah. I don't. There's a good chance he might pick BYU. Is Matt Matt pick there? I I wouldn't see BYU. I would see what about Arizona State? I'm just picking. I'm just saying BYU because their offense this year. The fact that they just got Matt, mm-hmm. his six, the seven three looking ass, like. So like they just lost their best shooters, like their their that bald dude, bald looking guy, and there's one other guy. They're all seniors, so they're graduating. And so like there's spots on that starting lineup for him to come in, and him and Matt can go off and score. So like I can that's why I see him going there if he goes there. But like some of these teams like are uber defensive, like Tennessee. Tennessee's uber defensive. I don't think he's gonna go oh, to Tennessee. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I went to the Tennessee Memphis game. And 
I we went to a lot of OSU games. Um, I was at the Tennessee Memphis game. I saw Penny Hardaway in what was the belt he was wearing? The belt Penny Hardaway was wearing, Hermes belt. He was wearing like a three thousand dollar belt. Um, and that was the worst basketball game I've ever watched in my life. No, just defense. Just like a lot. I, I mean, it's not, even, it's not even just defense. It's like defense with no offense. So it's just like... <laughs> if I had to take a guess, I would put my money on either Utah or Arizona State. That's where my bet would be. Arizona State. I don't know. Uh, hard pass to pass of USC, too. USC, too, yeah. I would say I would say we're at number five. I would say we're in the top five. Yeah, I agree. The only thing yeah. with the with USC is like I never know who they're getting in. Yeah, like I never know what what five star recruit is going there. You know, USC is so like inconsistent. It's like they were supposed to be good two years ago and last year. Just we saw UCLA almost won the Pac-12 this year after, but you know wouldn't have made the tournament by some projections. So you never know how good the Pac-12 is going to be. And man, if you're, I guess if you're McClung, if I'm pitching and become Oklahoma State, I would say think about it this way: if you can immediately come in and have starting minutes available alongside likely in Cade or a mix of you know a mix of those two guys really shine, and then try the draft again. But if you go, hey, you know what? Like, still still not there. He could come back for that senior season. He might just be the dude on at Oklahoma State if he shines in his junior year, you know, knowing that he's got tricks years. I but, I but I also think, on the other hand, he's transferring so he can play one more year, really make an impact somewhere, and then go to the NBA. I, I, I struggle to think he's going to go. He's thinking about this for two more years. But at the same time, also, is if you're going to play one year, sorry, Jerry, you're just going to play one year, you also want to play far. Like, you want to play deep. Like, so you're not going to, like, it's like, no offense to, like, USC, but, like, in my opinion, USC is the Texas of basketball. Like, Texas football basketball. Like, every year they're supposed to be good, they're not good, yada, yada, so on and so on. But, like, the Big 12, like, is really good at basketball. Like, no, like, I don't care what anybody says. Like, either, like, one year, like, our years are either there's five teams that are solid, like, obviously one that's great in Kansas consistently. Or there's a year where, like, two to three Big 12 teams are amazing. And, like, so, like, you're going to get two Big 12 teams, like, in the top five, top six or so in basketball. Like, Texas Tech last year, Bailey this year, Kansas both years, obviously. But, like, so if we're going to have this stacked up lineup and we're going to be going against teams that consistently make it the and we're projected to be almost, if not better than them. Like, do you not, would you not think as a, as a common sense person, hey, Oklahoma State's going to be, if I come and I contribute and I'm actually helpful, we can make it really far. So why would you not choose Oklahoma State compared to a USC that hasn't done shit the last few years, or Arizona State who hasn't done shit the last few years, like, or Utah who has been okay but really doesn't do shit. Like, you don't talk about Utah, period. Like, you don't, like, we are, sadly, we're like, the most mediocre team in the history of life. We're just consistently in the top, like in the number 25 on sports, basketball, football. Like that's just where we are, number 25, because we get four-star players and that's, and we never overachieve. So when we do get players like this, you know, 2011, we do work. 
he should have gone to the fucking national championship for football. So I don't know. I just I, don't, I think USC is just overhyped. Like UT football, Utah, you just like a, a Walmart version of Oklahoma State. Like, and then I don't know Auburn. I think mean, I think some of the SEC schools is gonna be a little too scary for them. I kind of see Auburn. I think Florida, there's just like no appeal there, and it's just the state of Florida. So make the luck to be there, and then uh, we'll see. I don't know. I'd say for McClung, how do you want to make an impact on a team? Do you want to be on a team where you may not necessarily be the guy, but you you go far in the tournament with the do with the team, you hit some big shots, all type of stuff, or do you want to try to play against maybe? And I don't know how much better or worse the Pac-12 is than than all of the Big 12. You know, comparing all of the Pac-12 to all the Big 12, but the Big 12 is definitely better overall, and. Do you want to go against maybe lesser competition in the Pac-12 and play at a Pac-12 school and in Southern California for, you know, or, you know, at Arizona State against maybe lesser competition? On a yearly basis, though, the Big 12 is definitely better than the Pac-12 basketball. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying if... If you're McClung, do you want to? I'm not outright going to just flat out say, "Hey, you know what? I know for sure Oregon's you know sucks compared to K State every year." But I'm saying the Pac-12 is usually better than the Big 12. Do you judge all the you know all the teams? Would Would you rather be the guy or a dude? I think this thing, but for me, it's depending on who you are. And so, like, if I'm Ben Simmons, so like, just like you said earlier, like Jake, I mean, I love that all our conversations intertwine. Like Jake said earlier. Like, Ben Simmons didn't do shit, but, you know, he's doing pretty great right now with the $170 million contract, five years. You know, not too shabby there, more than I'll ever see in my life, most likely. But, like, you know, that's him. That's that's the, you without that superstar. So, like, look at somebody like Dante DiVincenzo, because when we're talking about, like, basketball players and shit like that, that's one person I would maybe describe Mac McClung like, you know? And so, like, what about him? Like, like he didn't do shit most of his college career, and then comes in his last season, plays okay, gets the place for a team that gets con- – get, you, like, your main, for me, if you're a Mac McClung, your main goal should be playing as many games as possible, getting as deepest as possible into the tournament, but playing for a team where you'll be getting at least 20 minutes a game, like 20 to 22, 23, 24, 25. And so, like, that's like an Oklahoma State. Like, no offense. And so, but like, and so if you can make it deep and then give yourself that chance to where – when you do get in the city of championship, when literally every single eyeball in the basketball world is watching you every game you play, and you do what Dante did and come out and just for one month play the best basketball of your fucking life, and then you come get drafted in the 18th position in the first round. And, like, no offense to Dante DiVincenzo, but he's not a first-round player. Like, he might become and turn into a first-round player. Like, obviously, like, Siakam, not a first-round player. Like, or fucking... Jokic, first-round player, so on and so on. But they weren't drafted there. Like, he didn't deserve to be in the top 18, but that's where he got drafted because he did work. And so it's not because he chose to go to some other school where he could have gotten 40 minutes a game and showed nothing to the world. And so, like, you got to get the national spotlight. And so, I don't know. But I guess it's just me being biased. Like, I'm not saying us fully. Like, BYU, you kind of have the same situation where you would get solid minutes. You'd be a third or third or I mean, I don't know if you're maybe second, 
second, third, fourth best player, get quality minutes, go play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, USC, you're not getting a tournament. If you do, you're going to get bounced real quick. Uh, I don't know. He's not going to Tennessee. Not going to Wake Forest. So we'll see. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to watch, especially since there's like not much else happening. And so like one story is just all you think about. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to add like quickly about McClung and like his recruiting. Um, I just checked on 247 and he was only a three star, which I thought he was higher. Um, but Georgetown really, Georgetown really was, I mean, on 247, he was a three star, but Georgetown really was his best offer. I mean, yeah. from Power Five schools, you have Georgetown, Rutgers, Boston College, uh, Seton Hall is not a Power 5 school, but they're notable. And then you had Arizona State, Cincinnati, Gonzaga, and Marquette all recruited him but didn't offer him. Hmm. And, like, I, I find that extremely interesting. Um, obviously, like, Arizona State's on his radar now. They could have recruited a guy that was better than they thought was better than him um, at the time. And, you know, maybe he had a good relationship with Bobby Hurley. I don't know. But... It, and same with Gonzaga. Maybe he has a good relationship with Steve Few. But it's, uh, yeah, that that whole thing with with him coming is, 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 but Chris is right. You know, you need to get as much exposure as possible. Um, and so where, where will he go if, if he does get the immediate eligibility, then, Oklahoma State would probably be at the top of his list, realistically. Um, he was smart, he, yeah. yeah. but if he doesn't, then, you know, pick your poison. Yeah. I, if, it was, if it was me, I guess, he has seen how it plays out when he is the guy at Georgetown. So now try to flip the script and do exactly what Chris said because that Dante DiVincenzo um, similarity is is very true if he's able to play good on a quality team deep in the tournament doesn't necessarily have to be the dude but is playing 20 plus minutes a game you know averaging over the season and hitting some big shots that that's going to help his draft value a ton especially you know with everyone in the NCAA watching watching him play right and it'd be a ton of fun to see him yeah, play in orange and black, too. All right, guys. Well, uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast here. I know we covered uh, a bunch of different topics today from college basketball, the NFL, and then some more college basketball as well, too. Um, a lot of fun having uh, both of you guys on, as well as Alexia, too, when he was on for uh, most of the podcast earlier as well. So thanks so much for joining, and please go follow at the CGA Tour on Twitter and Instagram if you're not already. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys again soon.